Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one. Evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. Well, somebody shout praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So enjoy your Saturday off. They're saying, I don't know what you're going to do on Saturday. Everybody knows what Saturday is in Alaska. Bath day. Amen. So I'll give you a day to shave and shower and change clothes, go grocery shopping, and we'll hit it again one more week. Amen. You know, I'm so happy because there's so many places where we go where we have the same kind of thing happen, whether it's blowing up and new people are getting saved and people are getting healed, and you just have people that are so stuck, uh, the leadership of churches that just, it's almost like church is a burden. It's like the old story where the alarm went off on Sunday morning and the wife went to wake the husband up and said, you have to go to church. He said, I don't want to go to church. She said, you have to go to church. It's Sunday. He said, I don't want to go to church. She shook him against it. You have to get up and go to church. He said, I don't want to go to church. She said, honey, you're the pastor. You have to go to church. And if you're not careful, that's what church turns into in the ministry. It's almost like an extra burden. But that's not what church is supposed to be like. Church is supposed to be like it's been here. I mean, when you walk in here, if there wasn't the cross up somewhere, you'd think you were in a saloon. People are laughing and having a good time and rolling around on the ground and shouting. The church is supposed to be a place of victory. Can you say amen? And this has been unusual. I mean, this morning we had about, it was starting to approach what you have on Sunday morning for a crowd. And I can't say thanks enough. You know, the combination that you dream of as an evangelist is to have a pastor that desires to see that happen as much as you. And it's not like, uh, you know, well, I can't wait till Friday. We've been out a lot. I can't wait to go back home and watch what's on my DVR. To actually get hooked up with a pastor that has at least as much, if not more, of a desire to see the region shaken as, uh, as you do is a major combination. And I hope you don't take Pastor Daniel Bracken for granted because he's not normal. He's not a, he's not a usual pastor. He's a visionary. And I love driving back here from Anchorage and seeing right when it says welcome to Wasilla, right above it, is one of the biggest churches in the country. And uh, I'm sure it would be the biggest church in Alaska up on that hill. And that's how it should be. The church should be the dominating force in the United States. Because we're not an answer. The church is not a supplement to the government helping people. Without the church, a nation is finished. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. And uh, I happen to still be in a state where people still cure their own meat. So you know what salt does to meat? Keeps it from rotting. And so the earth thinks if they could get rid of these bunch of bozos that still believe God created the earth and go to church every Sunday and still think a family is a husband, wife, and children and all that, uh, man, then we could finally have progress. But you're going to find out, according to Bible prophecy, that as soon as the earth is rid of us, it's going to take about seven years for the whole thing to rot and decay. We are the light that's in the darkness. And what did Jesus say? What good is salt if it loses its savor? What good is it to be the church? You know one of the great things about that building being built for that new church? Unlike most mega churches, it's not going to be open for 85 minutes on Sunday morning and closed the rest of the week. That place is going to be an activity center where the word of God is going to go forth and shake the region. 
And I'm so thankful that God's doing what he's doing now, where you're going to enter into that building with momentum. I believe this next coming week, God's going to begin the process of what I've been preaching in my spirit, where people are going to start to come in and dump gifts for the church that feel compelled by the Holy Ghost to get that building up and stick it to the devil, that you're not going to have Wasilla or the Valley or Anchorage. Alaska shall be shaken one more time by the mighty power of God. And you're not going to watch it happen. You're going to be a part of making it happen. If you believe that with me, take 15 good seconds. Put those hands together one more time. Give the Lord God a mighty shout of praise. Pastor Daniel and I have the same spirit and uh, same influences between Dr. Rodney Howard Brown and Brother, you know, we're, we're just cut from the same cloth. So Sunday is not back to normal. Pastor Daniel's basically uh, somebody like me who just does his best to try to be a proper pastor. But on the inside, there's a lion that's going to get let out of the cage this Sunday four times. So Sunday, Sunday are going to... Sunday we're going to hit it hard, and then I'll be back Monday. I'm preaching in Laredo, Texas. That's all the way south. That's one mile from the Mexican border, but it's not that far. I was just looking on Google Maps. It's about four and a half inches. That's not too far to travel. <laughs> so go down. And, you know, even with that, my father started preaching for that pastor. His name's Dr. Gilberto Velez. He was a medical doctor from Puerto Rico, him and his wife, and they were on staff in San Antonio, and the Lord spoke to him to start a church in Laredo from scratch. And so they started the church down there. I was in the first building. It was a little rented building. And there was about, you know, it went to 200 pretty quick and then 400. And then we went back every year after that. And I watched them go from 400 to 600 to then they got their first building, which was a 1,200-seater, much like the one you're building. And you build that and you think you're done. Well, they packed that. Then they went to two services. Then they were out of space. And they built the largest Hispanic Assemblies of God Church in the country right down there on the border. It's about a 3,400-seater, and uh, that's where I'll be. But I've seen that happen, you know, like where I'm at now. I know, I, I, I've been around this thing a little while. My dad's been preaching for over 40 years. My grandfather preached for 62 before he went up to heaven. There's some churches you go to, and they say, well, you keep us in prayer, and you feel like saying, really no use praying. This thing's finished. Just put the final nail in the coffin. Whatever happened, it's over. And then there's other churches that you can tell they've stagnated and they're going to stay about where they're at. They're happy where they're at. And then you come to some places like this one and like the other one I was at in, in Amsterdam, Holland, where we went for a second week, where you can tell that the momentum of heaven is on it and it's, it, it, it's blowing up. When you move into that building, it's going to quickly fill and it's going to quickly fill a second time and it's going to keep going because God is not going to allow the devil to have the last say in this generation. Jehovah is going to have the final say. And this young generation that they pick up off the side of the road like garbage from overdoses and bury them in the ground, that's coming to an end now. And this, gen listen, this generation that's been marked for destruction, God is going to fill them with his fire. God is going to fill the young people. God is going to fill the mothers and fathers. God's going to start to put a passion in men and women that are my age that I am not going to have my children know the same type of life that I knew growing up. I'm going to allow God to fill me. And I'm going to tell you something. If you never preach like I do or travel like I do, if you make your home a place where the presence of God dwells and your kids know what it's like to have a praying mother like I knew and a praying father who teaches them to believe God, you will have done a great thing.
A major mark. That's what revival is. Turning the hearts of the fathers back to the sons and the hearts of the sons back to the father. The devil has done everything in his power to break apart the home. Revival starts to restore what the devil wanted to break. And God's going to use you to be a part of it in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe that with me one more time, put those hands together. And give Jesus a mighty shout. Would you mind coming to the front with me real quick? Would you mind coming to the front with me? I'll stay with you. I'll hold your hand. Come on up. How many canes did you come up with when we started? And then you could barely move with those. The lady that was with you had to hold you up. And now you're walking just holding my hand like we're headed to prom. I just, I, I just, you don't have to say anything you don't want to say. When people say, why are they doing another week of meetings? You know, you're going to hear a great testimony right now. And you don't have to be nervous because you can't mess your testimony up. It's your testimony. And I'm just going to have her tell, and you don't have to say anything you don't want to say, but just tell, you know, what you came out of this weekend and then what the Lord did for you the beginning of this week. And this will let you know why we do what the Bible says, which is to labor in the gospel. There are people that literally stand between life and death and the only difference is going to be whether you reach them in time with the gospel. So I want you to make my friend welcome one more time and just uh, start off. Ju- ju- just say what, you, what, what, what had happened and then what ended up bringing you to church and what Jesus did for you here. I'll stay right with you. Hello. <laughs> my name's Dolly. Hi. Hello, Dolly. Shall we start singing? <laughs> Okay, I didn't expect this. I wasn't dressed for this, but I brought my towel. No. Like Bishop James. <laughs> so, anyways, Memorial Day weekend, I was in a deep, dark, dark space in my life. Oh, my God. Ooh, I had no way out. No way out, I thought. And let me tell you what. I couldn't take it no more. All these years of suffering and pain every day, and the doctors can't do nothing about it. You know, all this opioid addiction and stuff, so they just said, no, we're not giving you any pain medicine. So I just live with the pain, you know, since 2015, every day. can't walk up the stairs to take a bath, you know, going from couch to couch because I lost my job as a house parent, taking in Native high school kids that were homeless. And the federal government said, oh, no, we're not going to fund you anymore. So I lost my job and my house at the same time. After that, my life just went downhill and downhill. And I was at my wit's end. I I had (laughs) literally no place to go. And, you know, you can't go to AWAC because no one's beating on you. Then it's just I refuse to go to the homeless shelter because I don't want to get attacked, you know, in the middle of the night. You know, and let me tell you what. (laughs) My mom died in 2017. And in May... I had a stroke, (laughs) 
So I'm like blind on the side and my legs get worse. You know, the doctor said I have 70-year-old legs with the 50-year-old heart and the attitude of a 17-year-old. <laughs> what? Me? <laughs> so anyways, I... Uh, all my brothers, I, you know, after my mom died, we were staying in her house, and all my brothers were upstairs drinking, partying, and I was downstairs all by myself. And I was at my wit's end. I was all alone. <laughs> no one to talk to. My sisters won't talk to me because they think I'm, you know, <laughs> worse than them, you know, and I'm really not. And... Uh, <laughs> Oh, Lord. <laughs> Ooh. So, because I was all alone, I had a little bit of bourbon left, and I decided I'm going to take some pills. So I took some pills and the last shot of bourbon, and I laid down to die <laughs> on the couch. <laughs> Just before I knock out to say goodbye to the life, someone or something said, call 911. So I did. And I had enough energy to tell them where I was at. And then I was out. And the lady on the phone was saying, ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. And that's the last thing I remember. <laughs> and then I woke up on Sunday. This was Friday night. I woke up on Sunday in the ICU you know, with a very big sore throat because they put um, whatever that tube is down your throat and <laughs> resuscitated me. <laughs> Let me tell you what, <laughs> I didn't have one visitor, not from my family, no cousins, no one. So I was all alone. And that 911 call, I don't know where it came from. <laughs> But let me tell you what, there is a way out, Amen. and God is it. God is it. So, so you came to church on, uh, what was your first day in church? Sunday. When did you sign out of the intensive care or hospital? When did you leave the hospital? Sunday, Monday, Monday. Oh, Monday. Yeah. So you came here to church, and then you gave your life to Jesus Christ. Yes. And then t tell me what happened after you gave your life to the Lord. People said, I found Jesus. Oh, come on. He's not lost. I was. <laughs> I was lost. <laughs> there is no way that Jesus is lost. He knows every one of you. And especially me. <laughs> and I'm so grateful for my friend, Cynthia. She came to me. She's my best friend. She brought me here, and that's where you come in. <laughs> so what, what happened after you gave your life to the Lord? What did you feel that he did? Ooh, I felt whole. I didn't feel alone. When the quietness comes, is stillness, and you feel something in your heart that tells you to pick up the Bible, and you read it. <laughs> And the first page I go to is Job. <laughs> I'm like, okay, hmm. <laughs> so I started reading, and I was like, really? <laughs> so
So, you know, my legs are doing better. My heart's doing better. I still feel a separation between my head and my heart because of my stroke. Part of my brain is dead. I don't know, you know. I can't see on that side. So, you know, I am still here. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. <laughs> I'll tell you, isn't that awesome? Now, I, will, I won't insult your intelligence by asking, do you think she's the last one like that in Alaska? No, the state's loaded with people like that. And one more week, you get to fish them out. Where people that would die and go to hell, that actually, after you get to know them, they're awesome people. But they're bound. But when Jesus sets them free, now you look, you could go to any community you wanted and share that testimony, and it's more anointed than 90% of what will be preached by professional preachers on Sunday. Because it's your testimony of how God brought you out. And so God not only sets you free, he'll put you on a path to rescue other people. Because now you know what they're in and you know that your God has the power that what he did for you, he'll do for them. That's what the Lord does. So two things. Number one, I'm going to believe that tonight while I'm preaching, the vision will come back in your eye and you'll get back everything you lost in the stroke. And then, amen. And then number two, the Bible says the labor is worthy of his hire. And so when you speak, you should get paid. We're going to send you $1,000 very quickly just to help you where you don't have to worry about where to live and where to stay. Love you. Great job. You helped a lot of people. Give my friend, yeah, go ahead and take a bow. Give Jesus a great big hand clap for all he's done. I want you, if you have your Bible, to open to Mark chapter 16. Mark the 16th chapter. And obviously that's not the only testimony by far that's come in this week. And that's why you keep rolling. Because it'll keep increasing and keep ripping more people out of the hand of the devil and bringing them in. I won't even take a show of hands. How many of you, half of you that are crying are crying because you have somebody like that in your family right now. They're bound. They need to be set free. And it's given the preaching of the gospel and the delivering of mankind has been entrusted to men, not to God. So you can pray every Sunday morning, Lord, send revival, but there's work involved that God anoints you then to go out and reach the harvest and deliver mankind. And so I want you to believe with me. As we do this week, it's not to get you to come back and hear more messages only, but it's to go and bring in the lost and the broken and the dying that when they come in, they'll hear the gospel and be saved. You can bring in people that know everything and they will likely stay in their seat. But Jesus said, go to where the lost and the broken and the blind and the halt people that are broken. Bring them in. Let them hear the good news. What's the good news? The good news is Jesus died so you can live. He didn't just die so you can go to heaven. He took your curse to give you the blessing. And if you call on the name of the Lord, no matter who you are or what you've done, we will all be saved in that same manner. If you can testify to that, can you give me a good Alaskan amen? 
Mark chapter 16. Mark the 16th chapter and the 15th verse. Then Jesus told them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to who? You go to Hawaii. Why are you bringing that white man's gospel to the Hawaiian Islands? Jesus was not from Norway. He was born in Israel, the exact geographic center of planet Earth. So the Asians can't say he's ours, the Africans can't say he's ours, and the Europeans can't say he's ours. He's the lamb that was slain for every tongue, every tribe, every nation, and every race. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be damned. And these miraculous signs, everybody say miraculous signs. These miraculous signs will follow or accompany who? These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. Another translation, all who believe. Everybody say all. So the supernatural is not meant for three all-stars on Christian television. The supernatural, just like you could hear my sister that's been saved for three days. When she started sharing her testimony, it wasn't just a moving story. It wasn't like when they interview somebody on the beginning of American Idol and they tell a sad story. The anointing was there. You could feel the joy of victory uh, being shared of how Jesus snatched her out of that death. Can you say amen? amen? And so the anointing, the supernatural power of God is available to every believer. And number two, it's essential for every believer. Because you are not going to do. I'll give you an example. I grew up, one of the churches I grew up in uh, had a very low regard for the Holy Spirit. They actually stopped speaking in tongues, like a lot of churches have done, where they started off full gospel. How many of you were here in the, in the morning service? Where we did Galatians chapter 3, where Paul said, after starting off in the Spirit, why are you now trying to continue in the flesh? So you have people that when they have 40 people in their church, they value the Spirit, and then when they get big, they start to say, well, you know, this isn't really something for Sunday. This is going to scare off a lot of people. And so they start to withdraw from the Spirit, and they end up losing everything. That's what happened to this church I grew up in. And so they got this vision to start planting churches. You know, we're just going to go, how many of you know Philadelphia needs a good church? We're going to send brother so-and-so out to that church to plant a church. Let me tell you something. If you've never been to Philadelphia, if you don't come there in the power of God, you're going to get your rear end handed to you in about 36 hours. Brother Shambach said, Philadelphia and Chicago, of all the places he traveled in the world, are the two most demonized cities he's ever been to. So you have this denomination that was a full gospel denomination, a church that started off as a full gospel church. It still said full gospel on the outside. But now we're upper class, we've moved uptown, and we don't need that. That's one of the things I'm so excited is I know that will never be the case with Pastor Daniel. There, there is not going to be little church Pastor Daniel and then big nice church Pastor Daniel. It'll just be the same man lit ablaze by the fire of God preaching at a bigger, nicer venue. But most people don't do that. That's why Paul had to write that to the Galatian church. So the reason I brought it up is they're sending this guy you know, we want to plant 10 churches in 10 years. They have, you can't raise up people to preach, you know, when you don't have the Holy Ghost. People get raised up to preach in meetings like this 
When there's no anointing, nobody gets called into the ministry. That's why in the greatest hour of need, where mankind is desperate for the gospel, all the full gospel Bible colleges are having to shut down or merge with liberal arts universities. Because think about it. Let's take this denomination. The Assemblies of God used to have so many people being called into the ministry that they had to have a school in the Northeast, a school in the Southeast, a school in the Southwest, and a school in the center, and then one up in Minnesota. But to accommodate, there were too many people being called into the ministry for one school to handle. And now, there's not enough people being called into the ministry to even fill one school. That has to change now because the earth is crying out for the manifestation of the sons of God. Can you say amen? Amen. But you don't get called into a meeting where there's 25 minutes of preaching, no altar service, and they're talking on, you know, keys to time management or something you can get from any 10-cent pop psychology book. Can you say amen? amen? And so... That's what they're doing. Well, this guy, you know, hey, you're a nice guy. You've done pretty well in business. You know how to speak English. Why don't you be a pastor? So they send him out. Well, he doesn't have it. And so at 10 years old, I'm in that service. It's one of those real nice commissioning services. They have him and his wife up on the platform and the kids. We're saying bye. We're going to take an offering. We have cake in the foyer for when we're done. And my father, how many of you have seen my dad with the red hair come here and preach? My dad was a very calm person. And never interrupted services. Only twice. The one I told you about last night and this one. And this was such an interruption that I was 10 and I still remember it 28 years later because I'm 38 now. My dad stood up in the middle of that nice little service and bellowed out a message in tongues. And I'm talking a message in tongues in that church was as out of place as if you stood at the governor's rally and gave a message in tongues. Everybody's head whipped around. People hadn't heard one in 10 years. And my dad starts giving that message in tongues. I'm sitting by him, and I can feel the heat of the anointing coming off my dad's body. And as my dad's giving that message in tongues, he moves out. We're sitting two-thirds of the way in the back, not on staff or anything. Moves out from the pew, still giving the message in tongues, and the anointing starts hitting Brother Joe. He's crying. And my dad, whatever he was saying in the spirit, was going directly to his spirit. And then my dad switched into English because certainly nobody was going to interpret the tongue there. They didn't even know what the message was. You had people leaning over to each other. I didn't know Brother Tiff spoke two languages. So my dad comes up on the way up and he says, the, I mean, ruined the whole service. Thus saith the Lord, you are not ready. You are not ready. Give yourself to prayer and fasting or trouble awaits, says the Lord. And he breaks down and starts crying. But he didn't heed the word. They went right on with the plan. You know, as soon as my dad finished, they just pretended like nothing happened. Well, that's uh, Brother Tiff. He's an evangelist here. Many you know, thank you, Lord, for that word. Well, uh, as we were saying, there's going to be cake. And they go on with business as normal. So he rents a little property in downtown Philadelphia where people get shot left and right. And it's not gang-related. Two 16-year-old girls waiting for the bus. And a guy comes up and caps both of them in the head. They're not in gangs. Nothing. Just a a devil over that city. And this guy comes with his nice little suit and Bible and goes and sits, rents the room, starts doing one week of meetings, does the Sunday and the Wednesday. And by the end of week two, his wife goes into the bathroom. He's mumbling to himself naked in a bathtub, getting ready to drop a plugged-in boombox into the thing and end his life. He goes to the mental institution for two weeks. This is a businessman. Pillar of the church. 
that then tries to go to war with the devil with no power and gets sent home out of the mental institution six weeks later with a twitch. And then everybody realized that my dad wasn't stupid, that the Holy Spirit was letting you know your heart's in the right place. And many people's hearts are in the right place. They want to help people. They, they drive by drug addicts. They don't say, oh, well, that's what you get. They say, man, isn't that a shame? But you can't help people by having a good heart. It takes power from heaven to set the captive free. And that's what these meetings have been. These are not crusade services. These are revival meetings. These are upper room Holy Ghost meetings. So that whatever God, look at Mark 16. Jesus said, when you go out, there are to be signs that accompany you. You can't do it in your own power. The devil will fight you supernaturally. And if you don't have a greater supernatural power, you can't defeat him. But I didn't come to glorify the devil. I came to tell you there is a greater power. It is loosed by the Holy Spirit. And when you get filled with that power tonight, you will tread upon serpents and scorpions as if they were dust under your feet. If you receive that tonight, one more time, put those hands together and give Jesus a mighty, mighty shout of praise. So you have people that go to war with no power And you have people that go to war with excess power And when you go to war with an overflow of power You can make the devil sorry he ever stepped foot anywhere Because that's what the gifts of the spirit are That's what, I'll finish reading Mark 16 I've been trying to finish reading it for three days now Jesus told them Go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be damned. And these signs, miraculous signs, will follow all who believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. But without that power, the devil will cast you out, like he did to that brother in Pennsylvania. I remember him coming up tearfully to my father and saying, I should have listened, I should have listened. You can't do a work for God, particularly in this day and age. If you try to do a work for God because you're a good little boy and you bought you a nice little necktie at Nordstrom Rack in Anchorage. Hello, my name's Jonathan. I have a, you're going to get messed up. How many of you were here when I played that video when we did the outdoor crusade in Newark? You know, the first three minutes you preach, you can see everybody sizing you up. You can see the police sizing you up. You can see the Latin King sizing you up. You can see the Crips sizing you up. You can see heroin dealers sizing you up. And if you don't have power, they would move in for the kill. But when you have power, you can see them start to drop their hands and move forward and start to hold, like you saw in the video, the fence and lean forward and their eyes start getting watery. And like in Philadelphia, that man came up and said, do you mind if I give you a hug, young black guy? I said, not at all. He said, I normally don't hug people. Three teardrop tattoos. I normally don't hug people. He said, all my life I've had an anger in me from what my dad did to me that I have never been able to get away from. And when you started preaching, you know, they, don't, they think it's going to be like news to you. I've been doing this for 17 years. They're like trying to convince you. I know this might sound weird to you, but it felt like the anger was just a bird and flew away. And I feel better. He's like, as much as I hated people, I have like a love now. He said, I can't remember the last time I smiled. That's right. Religion would put that guy in a class for 18 months and trying to teach him to deal with it. But when the fire of God hits you, the fire of God burns out all the chaff and sets the captive free. The Bible says in Judges chapter 16, don't miss this. The Bible says in Judges chapter 16, that they bound Samson with new ropes 
But when the Spirit of the Lord fell upon him, the ropes fell off as if they were burned by fire. There's people like my sister there. She's a nice lady. She didn't come here and give me the middle finger when I started preaching. I don't like preachers. She loved the Bible, she, but she was bound by an invisible rope. But when the Spirit of God came upon Samson, the thing that was binding him, he didn't break it off. It fell off as if it was burned by fire. Whether it's sickness and disease, whether it's depression, whether it's anger that you can't control, whatever rope the devil has used to make your life a living hell, you are only one prayer away for the power of God dropping down and burning that sucker off your life from now till Jesus comes. Why don't you lift both hands all over this room? I'll tell you right now. There's people like why the Lord triggered me to have her share that testimony. There's people here that the truth is, though you're looking to reach out to people, you're not free yourself. There's things you've battled with that have made your life miserable. And you've tried to get free, tried medication, tried counseling, tried deep breathing exercises, tried medical marijuana, tried everything else. But there is no fulfillment. But I'm telling you that Jesus is the answer. He's not an answer. He's not a way. He's not a truth. He's not a life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you call on him, he won't cast you down. He will answer you and pull you out of all your trouble tonight. If you can testify to that, one more time, make a joyful noise in Wasilla, Alaska. Let the devil know that you know he's defeated. So you need the power of God. It's not optional. Go into all the world. I'll tell you another one. Man, I got trouble getting through that passage. I was preaching in Barbados, and this big Rasta man comes up to me. Like a stereotypical Caribbean, a big long dreadlocks, the red, gold, and green hacky sack looking hat on the top, and I'm getting off the stage, and he goes, preacher! And the way he said it, I'm like, I'm either going to get macheted or hugged. And I was believing for a hug. I said, yes, sir. He said, I want to give you a hug, just like the guy in Philadelphia. He said, I always hated white people until tonight. Normally, I've had the opposite effect on people. I always liked white people until I met you. He said, I always hated white people. Well, who could blame him? Maybe he saw an episode of, of uh, Friends or something. He said, I always hated white people. And he said, when I heard you preaching across the park, you sounded black to me. Well, that had to be the Holy Spirit just confusing him. I don't, I don't sound, I don't know what I sound. I just sound like me. And he said, so when I heard you, I, I came across the park to hear what you were shouting about. And as soon as I saw that you were white, I went to turn and walk away. And as soon as I went to turn and walk away, he said, it was like something left me. And as much as I hated you, I started to love you. And when you gave the invitation to receive Jesus, I came down and prayed. And I wanted to know if you'd let me give you a hug. And we got a hug and we got a picture together. And it's been like that for 17 years. Amen. Go to prison. Go to Barbados, go to Philadelphia, go to Finland, go to Amsterdam. You can take, because Jesus commanded you to take this to every creature, then when you're anointed, you actually can stand in front of anybody and have nothing in common with them. But where you are weak, the anointing will come behind you and make you strong. Can you say amen? Can you say a better amen? 
That's what you're going to get tonight. I said, that's what you're going to get tonight. You're not leaving like you came. You're not going to leave having heard about the anointing. You're going to leave carrying the fire of God so that when you go back to whatever town you're in or village or wherever God's called you to go, when you put your feet on the floor, the land that once belonged to the devil will get turned over to you. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Jesus told them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be damned. And these miraculous signs. Everybody say miraculous signs. Yeah, they're not natural signs. They're miraculous signs. Will follow all who believe. In my name they'll cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. They will lay their hand. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything deadly, it will not harm them. They will place their hands on the sick. And the sick shall recover. When the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere and preached. And the Lord worked with them. Or this translation says, the Lord worked through them. So the Lord works with you and the Lord works through you. How does he work with you and through you? Confirming what you say with many miraculous signs and wonders, not a few, many miraculous signs and wonders. Say that with me. Say many, many. Miraculous, miraculous signs and wonders. Take your Bible and flip over to Romans chapter 15. Apologize for reading so much Bible. Romans chapter 15. Paul that led much of the known world to Christ in half a lifetime, tells you the secret of how he was able to do it. Amen. Romans chapter 15, verse 16. Romans, the 15th chapter and the 16th verse. I am a special messenger from Christ Jesus to you Gentiles. I brought you the gospel so that I might present you as an acceptable offering to God made holy by the Holy Spirit. So I have reason to be enthusiastic about all Christ Jesus. Hey, brother, good to see you, my friend. Hey, real quick, just because I... Good to see you. I have reason to be enthusiastic about all Christ Jesus has done through me in my service to God. Yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me. Bringing the Gentiles to God. How did he bring them to God? By my message and. Everybody say and. and. By my message and by the way I worked among them. What kind of work did he do? Did he dig wells? Did he give people sneakers? Did he give Christmas gifts at Christmas time? No, he's going to tell you how he worked among them. They were convinced by the power of the miraculous signs and wonders and by the power. Everybody say power. power. By the power of God's spirit. In this way have I fully preached the gospel. If you ever heard the term full gospel or seen outside of a church where it says full gospel, do you ever wonder what that means? Because you don't drive by any that says half gospel or 18% gospel. So what's with the full gospel thing? Paul actually taught it as a doctrine. Please don't miss this. Paul taught it as a doctrine that you have not fully preached the gospel unless a manifestation of God's power comes behind your preaching to show the crowd that you're not talking about an American religion, but you are talking about a living God. That's what signs and wonders are. People say, what's a wonder? It makes you wonder, how the heck did that happen? 
That's what a wonder does. When God does a wonder, it'll actually make your job. Like, I'll give you one. In Nigeria, there's a pastor that I was listening to preach today. His name's Enoch Adeboye. He's 77 years old. He was doing a national stadium crusade with 60,000 people telling this northern part where the, where the Muslim stronghold is about Jesus and how he's alive. There was a man in the crowd who had a thing, a growth on his neck like a goiter. And I'm talking, you know, if you've never gone overseas, if you got something wrong with you in America, they treat it. So even if it stays wrong, it's at least like an acceptable level of wrongness so you can go out in public. But when you go overseas, people have stuff wrong with them that you've never seen in this country. This guy has a growth on the side of his face, past his neck, down to here that blocks his whole face. And the ladies sit next to him. You know, if you're by somebody like that, you're raised to not go like this and look. But every once in a while, you keep sneaking a look. And as Pastor Attaboy was preaching to that crowd of 60,000 people, he bellowed out, the Lord just spoke to me that there's someone that came with a growth on their face. He wants you to know that it's just flown away like a bird. Well, you know, Nigerian services are not short. And so she had gotten used to it. She, she was done checking them out. But after a while, 20 minutes after he said it, she looked over and the growth was completely gone. His big deformed face was a normal face. So when she looked, her jaw dropped. She said she stared at him the rest of the service. And after they, dis listen, after they dismissed the service, she walked almost 20 miles back to her house with her mouth open. And then remembered that her car was parked back at the stadium. When people say, what's a sign and a wonder? A wonder makes you wonder. How big is God? How great is God? And I've been telling you all week, but I'm going to say it from now till when Jesus comes. You don't serve a religion. You don't serve a dead God. You don't serve a little skinny Jesus hanging up on the cross with a frown on his face. You serve the lion of the tribe of Judah, the great I am, the bright and morning star. And he said, if you call on me, I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you know not. I want to tell everybody here, there is nothing the devil has done to you that God won't do something about it tonight. Tonight is your night to get a breakthrough and come out of that pit for good. I'm sorry that I got excited. Going back to every... Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout a living Hallelujah. God is alive. I said God is alive. Jesus did not take stripes on his back. He paid the full price for your freedom with his blood. If he paid the price, you shouldn't have to pay one more dollar to Walgreens or, or, or the pharmacy over at Fred Meyer. Is it Fred Meyer? Fred Meyer or anywhere else. Jesus can be your all-sufficient God where you call on him and he'll bring you up out of the pit. Man, I love that testimony that started off. If we'd have closed with that, we'd have had a good night because it's a testimony of how everything was tried. 
bourbon, pills, doctors, Medicare, everything the world has. But as many of us know, you will hit a point in life where all of the natural things that are made available to help you cannot remedy the problem that is going on. But when you hit that point, when others would give up, you have a God in heaven who knows your name. And when you call on him, his hand is not short that it cannot save. It'll heal you. It'll bless you. It'll pick you up and turn you around. Come on, if you can testify to that. One more time. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Come on, make a joyful noise. The devil is defeated. The devil is defeated. Jesus kicked his tail 2,000 years ago. Everybody say signs and wonders. So I'm in a place that I like to call no man's land. And I'm not talking about Alaska. I'm talking about in the ministry. Because in America, you have people that pick a side of that. You have evangelicals who are all for soul winning, but they don't want anything to do with the power of God. Then you have charismatics and Pentecostals that love the Holy Ghost stuff. They don't want to win souls. They want to have the same 38 people come, roll around on the ground, never win anybody to Christ, and think they're having a big meeting because everybody, you know, got sweaty and ran around. And those two things, if you combine them, are like C4 and dynamite, or C4 and a detonator. A detonator without C4 is just a watch. C4 without a detonator is just putty. But if you combine those two things, you can cause some trouble. And God gave us something to, you know, it's like, like if you, I've gone to all kinds of evangelical stuff. They talk about different baits for different fish, how to present the gospel to different groups of people. But you know, the power of the Holy Ghost is like fishing with dynamite. If you light a stick of dynamite, and again, I'm being recorded, so I'm not, uh, I don't want any Alaskans in jail tomorrow. <laughs> I don't want to have to go on Judge Judy. He told me. Um, we've arrested you for dumping dynamite in the lake and blowing up fish. But some of you know, you actually don't even need a whole stick of dynamite. You take an M250 and light that thing and put it in the water. And where it goes off, it doesn't matter if it's halibut or salmon. They all respond equally by floating to the top. And, you know, I found in my 17 years as an evangelist that that's how it is with the power of the Holy Ghost. Everywhere you go, you have people sit you down and tell you how you have to tailor what you're doing for that group of people. The people here like to go to bed early. The people here are very rough. Or the people here are very educated. But you start finding out that if you'll just allow that explosion of God's power and then not divorce it from soul winning, that it will actually, there is no better soul winner than the Holy Ghost. You can talk about how strong your meeting is all you want and how great the anointing is. If nobody's getting saved, something's wrong. That's right. Because even in the upper room when they were praying in tongues, the Bible says a crowd came to hear the loud noise. And 3,000 people were added to the church that day. Can you say amen? amen? And so that's the no man's land of it. The evangelicals, wouldn't want, even though they're watching online secretly like Nicodemus coming at night, they'll never support, they'd never sit here, but they watch. But they won't want anything to do with it because I sweat and speak in tongues and have the Holy Spirit. And then Holy Spirit people, quote unquote, 
don't want to get involved in meetings like this because they're not interested in souls. They want to get a touch. They want to get a touch tomorrow. They want to get a touch the next day and not do anything with the touch. But I thank God I got connected with a church in Wasilla that's a rare breed of people that love souls and love the Holy Ghost. And I'm thankful that God brought us here and we kicked the devil's tail one week and in week two he's getting ready to get his teeth knocked down his throat. Because God never does anything to go backwards. God's going to go forward. And this coming week is going to be the greatest week that you've ever had, that we've ever had. Alaska shall be saved. Paul said they were convinced by the miraculous signs and wonders. Let me give you some examples of what he's talking about if you study church history. There was an evangelist named Tom. Everybody say signs and wonders. And the Bible tells you what a few of those are. He said they'll speak with new tongues. Tommy Hicks, who was an evangelist from Indiana, I believe, had a door open up for him to go preach in Argentina back when it was communist. And the dictator in Argentina got healed and saved. So he called his buddies over in the USSR back when Russia was the Iron Curtain, where even U.S. diplomats couldn't go over there. And he calls the leader and says, you need to have this guy come over and speak to your people. He, I got healed. So they let him over. So here's this Midwestern United States guy with hardly any education, just a simple preacher that believes in the power of God. It's like my friend. How many of you heard my friend testify at the beginning of the service? She actually spoke better the first time she ever spoke than the majority of people that complete Bible college. Because you go to Bible college on fire and they spiritually neuter you like a puppy. And you come in full of fire and you leave after four years a trained robot that has no strength. Hello, nice to be with you tonight. I know we've been here for many days this week already and I'm sure you're very tired. And um, so I'm just, I'm not gonna keep you long. You watch people on Facebook Live on Sunday that preach. All they do is apologize. And again, I won't be much longer. In just a few more minutes. Look, why gear your meetings for people that don't want to be there? We don't have armed guards at the door. You're free to go anytime you want. Gear your meetings for people that are hungry and thirsty for the fire of God to change them and change their family. If I have somebody like that here tonight, let me hear your hand clap and let me hear your mighty shout. God can use simple people. Your testimony has power like her testimony. You can't mess it up. It's your testimony. You tell what the Lord did for you, there will always be a power. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. There's always your testimony of what Jesus did for you will always be anointed. Tommy Hicks gets invited to Russia. Now remember this. When he goes and speaks in the USSR, Soviet Union, not only was the gospel illegal to be preached then, but before communism, you had the czars, and they wouldn't let any preachers in. So none of these people had ever heard about Jesus. So Tommy X, you know, is an American like we, most of us are. We can barely speak English, let alone Russian. So they assign him a female interpreter who's a Russian, obviously not a Christian, and she's just there to interpret into Russian, and he doesn't know any Russian. So he starts telling them, Jesus is the way. Well, what he doesn't know, because he doesn't speak Russian, is with all her communist indoctrination. Must have went to a U.S. public school. 
with all her communist indoctrination, every time he would say Jesus is the way, she would say communism is the way. Because they had been taught there's no God, you don't talk about God, so she just changed it. And he doesn't know. Jesus is the way. She says in Russian, communism is the way. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Stalin is the great leader. She would change everything to communism and Stalin, and he doesn't know anything about it. She was able to fool him, but you can't fool the Holy Ghost. Tommy's there preaching his heart out and wondering why it's as cold as ice. And all of a sudden, he feels an eruption from his belly. What I preached to you the first two nights. Jesus said, in that day, rivers. Everybody say rivers. Rivers. Not a well. A well can affect a home. A well can affect a group of homes. But a river affects nations. Can you say amen? amen? And rivers, not a river. Rivers of living water will flow out from within. John 7, 37. But this spake he of the Spirit who had not yet been given, but would be given to all who believe. Everybody say all who believe. So he learned to do what if you'll learn to do, it'll make you victorious in every battle that you face. Yield to the Spirit. So he starts feeling this rumbling in his belly to give a message in tongues. What are you going to do? You know, if you're preaching a crusade, you don't give a message in tongues. People aren't even saved. You're going to start popping off in tongues. So he's thinking that, but it's getting stronger, and eventually he just yields and starts bellowing out in tongues. As soon as he gets about three lines of tongues out, the female interpreter puts the mic down and runs out the door to the back. Well, now what are you going to do? You got no interpreter. You don't speak any Russian, so he just continues in tongues. Not thinking the whole time, what's going on? And all of a sudden, after about eight minutes of tongues, the people's eyes start tearing up and they stand up as one, lift their hands up and then come to the altar and begin to pray and he doesn't know what's going on. So while they're praying, he runs to the back and gets his interpreter, mad as a hornet. What do you think I'm paying you for? What did you leave me up there for? I don't know any Russian. She said, sir, I would have been happy to stay with you. But you said in perfect Russian, sit down and shut up and don't say another word the rest of the service. He didn't know what was going on, but the Holy Ghost knew what was going on. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Somebody shout hallelujah. There will always be. No man goes to his promised land uncontested. There are giants, listen to me. There are giants in every man's promised land. And if you try to beat them in natural power, you'll get your rear end handed to you in a hurry. Like our friend did in Pennsylvania. You'll, go, you'll actually get afflicted by the thing you're coming to deliver people from. But if you carry God's fire, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob always has a plan to lay waste to whatever test has been set against you. Now, if God could do that to open the gospel for a nation and beat a national devil, how much more do you think your God can solve the problems that are going on in your own household, with your own family, with your own marriage? Sure, the devil has a a plan, but God has a plan to destroy that plan. I want you to lift, hallelujah. 
I feel victory here tonight. When you don't have the power of God, you'll spend your whole life talking about what the devil's doing. That's what they do in most Pentecostal churches, charismatic churches. They might as well worship the devil. They talk more about the devil and demonic principalities than they ever talk about angels or the gifts of the Spirit or anything else. I was growing up in Pentecostal church. First person that got the mic. We bind the devil in Jesus' name. Next person gets the mic eight minutes later before we sing tonight. Satan, we bind you in Jesus' name. Next person comes up to give announcements. Well, before we give announcements, uh, we're, as you know, we're heading out for a youth retreat. We bind the devil. That would try. Even at nine years old, I started to think, if this sucker's this slippery, that he can get loose every eight minutes, we are fighting a losing battle. But I learned a lesson. If you learn how to lift up holy hands unto God and let hallelujahs roll out of your spirit and lift praises unto God, you can tap into a power where instead of dodging him, he dodges you because greater is he that lives in you than all of them that are in the world. If you know you serve a great God and you know he's made the Holy Ghost available to you, one more time, take 15 good seconds, clap your hands, all ye people. And shout a great Alaskan shout to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I know people have real trouble. Faith doesn't deny reality. Faith deals with reality. So whatever's going on in your own house, Jesus didn't die for imaginary enemies to be defeated. The enemies are real. But the power of God is more real. And I said the power of God is more real. And the power of God is not subject to the power of the devil. The power of the devil is subject to the power of God. I personally don't see any reason why you have to stay bound for 19 more minutes. At 9 o'clock Alaskan time. I declare an end to all your struggles. The God that turned Israel's captivity will turn your captivity tonight in Jesus' name. So rejoice and be glad, for the Lord has given you the victory. One more time, shout amen like thunder. Amen. Everybody say signs and wonders. What do wonders do? Make you wonder, how in the world did that happen? My dad gets an invitation to go preach in the bush in India, not city India, not metropolitan India, bush India. He buys a train ticket to go start the meeting. The pastor buys it for him. He doesn't speak the language. My dad goes to get on the train, and the conductor starts arguing with him. And then the pastor very sheepishly says to my father, Brother Tiff, I don't know what happened. I booked the ticket for today. My dad had to preach that night. But they misprinted it, and it's for tomorrow. And this train's full. I'll call them and let them know you won't be there tonight, and they'll kick off the crusade without you. I'm very sorry. Well, obviously, my dad's disappointed. Goes to stay at the hotel and wait to get on the train the next day. When he wakes up in the morning, they had a complimentary newspaper at the hotel, and the headline of the newspaper is that train that my father was supposed to ride derailed, and there were 169 people dead and the rest injured, just laying in a field, had to go rescue them. So without the power of God, I'd be telling a story about how my dad gave his life on the mission field. But God's not finished with my father. And when God sends you out, the devil's not allowed to send you back. Can you say amen? I want to tell you that tonight. 
the devil didn't start you and the devil can't finish you. God has started you and he that began a good work in you will bring it to completion in Jesus' name. Don't listen to me. Don't let any devil lie to you. You're not finished yet. I don't care what the CAT scan says. I don't care what the blood work says. It's not up to the devil when you go. You can stand up and say, I will live and not die that I may declare the goodness of the Lord while I'm yet in the land of the living. So my dad gets on the train. The devil thinks, well, I wasn't able to kill him on the train. No problem. Where the crusade was, was right directly by a training site for radical Hindus to kill Christians. And so my dad starts preaching. And a guy comes in the side door with a machete. And this was a blood call. I mean, stuff like they don't know about over here. Where, you know, I guess they do know about it. They drink blood there. Here we have Planned Parenthood. So here, here they do the same thing just with a nice logo and all that. And then your taxes pay for it. This guy comes in with a machete and a demonized look in his eye and is coming right from my father. And all the ushers just stand pat. You know, I don't know what ushers think they are in most churches, like door candy. Oh, he has a machete. Well, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> now, we would not have that problem here. If somebody walked in with a machete to this church in Wasilla, they would be shot probably three to four hundred times. And when the police were writing the report and said, why did you shoot them 471 times? You'd say, because we ran out of bullets. Amen. They'd be getting shot by old women, eight-year-olds. It'd be like, the day we've dreamed for has come to pass. But my dad wasn't in Alaska. He was in India. And that place had been disarmed. And so this guy walks in with a machete and starts coming towards my father. And my dad's, you know, as he's preaching, is on the inside saying to the Lord, well, how would you like me to deal with this? You know, we're willing to die for the gospel, but you have to earn it. Amen. So he's coming in with a machete. My dad is saying to the Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord just as peacefully and easy as possible. He said, don't worry about him. Just keep preaching to the people, and I'll take care of him. That's what the Bible says in Deuteronomy 28. If you serve me, your enemy will attack you in one direction, but I'll make him run from you in seven. I prophesy in the name of Jesus tonight. Every enemy that has tried to attack you, they're going to run from your life with speed tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. So rejoice and be glad, for the Lord has given you the victory. Hallelujah. That guy gets within about eight feet of my father, and he flies off his feet, not fall under the power. It looked like an invisible force hit him with an eastern aluminum bat. Not all angels play the harp. Some have gold teeth and neck tattoos. That guy came to about right here, and they said it just flew off of his feet and hit the ground, and the machete went flying. He was unconscious. Second guy comes in down the center. Boom, same thing. Another one comes in the side. Boom. Another one comes in. The devil's crowd never was that bright. If I planned an attack with four of my buddies and I walked in and all three of them were out cold, I go, you know what? We'll uh, do a tactical retreat. <laughs> four, five, six, seven. When the eighth one walked in, he's the only one with any sense. He walked in, saw a pile 
of his cohorts. And my dad said he went like this. I have a question for you. Do you think it was difficult that night for my dad to tell them that he served the living God? That his God wasn't a fairy tale? That he's the almighty God? Or do you think as those people saw that, that this red-haired man that looks like he should be guarding a pot of gold in Killarney, Ireland, with men coming with machetes, never even break stride. I mean, how silly. Jesus loves you. Jesus has a wonderful plan for your life. People are thinking, don't you know this guy's going to kill you? Boom, 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 boom. That night when he gave the call, I want you to know that I didn't come here as an American trying to spread an American philosophy. I came here preaching the eternal word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I came to tell you about the most high God. That place cleared their seats out, joined the altar, and made decisions in mass to receive Jesus Christ. We don't need less of that in America. We need the Holy Ghost like never before to arrest a generation that they might see and know that there is a God in Israel and his name is Jesus. Come on, take 30 good seconds. One more time. Rejoice and be glad. Give God the highest praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For the Lord is good. I said for the Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. If you're glad that you serve Jesus, if you're glad that you're on the winning side, why don't you lift both hands to heaven and just begin to thank him out of your mouth. Hallelujah. The battle is not yours. It is the Lord's and he's already won. You're not going down. I said you're not going down. You're going up. He who began a good work and you shall bring it to completion. It's not over yet. It's not over until you win. Jehovah is your victory. It's not time to die. It's time to live. Hallelujah. You're going up. You're going to be filled with power. You're going to be used to shake your generation. In Jesus' mighty name. If you believe it, say a living Alaskan amen. I'll tell you a couple more and I'll leave you alone for the night. My Uncle Ted, no, I mean, I'll be back. I know you like me. My Uncle Ted, my dad's oldest brother that I played on the video before, of course, he's been preaching just slightly longer than my dad, going on 50 years in his 60s. He put his tent up in the middle of the hood in the United States. I think it was outside of Providence, Rhode Island. And he's preaching. And there's a guy that was brought into the meeting. My uncle didn't know it. He just saw that his head was like this. And he was missing uh, three and a half inches of vertebrae in his neck. They had to take it out because of an accident. Stabilized his head between his collarbones and he couldn't move his head or, you know, it would become unstabilized and he'd die. So my Uncle Ted just sees him like this. And my Uncle Ted prays for the sick, you know, like you're supposed to because Jesus said. Uh, Jonathan, do you pray for the sick? I didn't know we had the option. Amen. I didn't know it said, go ye into all the world and put on a robe and tell people a 20-minute message and then retreat to the back. <laughs> Bible says Jesus taught, then preached, then healed. 
And then after he got done laying our hands on everybody in the Middle Eastern sun, after teaching and preaching with no sound system, and laid hands on the whole crowd, then they started to bring the kids to him. And Peter said, hey, enough. Can't you see what this guy's been doing? for?" And Jesus said, hey, leave him alone. Suffer not the little children to come unto me, for such is the king of heaven. And then he began blessing the children. That's how Jesus operated. That's how I want to operate. That's how Pastor Daniel operates. And that's why this church is never going to have a building big enough to house the crowds that come in to hear and be changed. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So my uncle sees uh, that guy with his head like that and says, sir, would you mind if I prayed for you? And he says, no, not at all. But what people don't know is if a 10 evangelist says, would you mind if I pray for you? It's asking permission to be physically assaulted. <laughs> you know, they think, it's, Lord, just help him as he's here tonight. So my uncle Ted grabs his head with both hands and picks it up to where it should be. What should have killed him. And his wife gasped. <gasps> I think sometimes God does the miracle just to keep us out of prison. Amen. <laughs> so my Uncle Ted, when he hears the wife gasp, looks over to ask her what the problem is. He hasn't even started praying yet. And before he can ask her what's wrong, feels the three and a half inches of vertebrae grow underneath his fingers immediately. Well, you know, when you're a faith preacher, you're supposed to act like you've seen it all before. But when God does wonders... Even you can't pretend. So when my Uncle Ted grabbed his head and went to ask what's wrong and that happened, he went, whoa. And the guy was crying. Now the wife could see that his neck was like that. And my Uncle Ted could feel the power of God on the guy's body. So the wife has her hand up. The guy has his hands up. And then this is the peculiar thing. My Uncle Ted looks and directly behind the man is an eight-year-old girl who much like our friend in Nigeria, doesn't matter what nation you're from. If you're sitting behind a guy that has no neck, if you're my age, maybe you have enough class not to look. But when you're eight, you look. You sketch it in your Bible. This little girl had been looking at this guy's missing neck for 90 minutes and now saw that he had a neck. So when my Uncle Ted, this is very peculiar, when my Uncle Ted looked past him to her, she had her eyes big and they were watering and her mouth was open. And the Lord spoke to my Uncle Ted. Ask her if she'd like to touch his neck. Wow. That's odd. But my Uncle Ted obeyed. He said, little girl, would you like to feel what a miracle feels like? And she went like this. He said, touch his neck. And she took her finger and touched his neck. And when she did, whatever residue of the glory of God was left from growing those bones back, And I feel the anointing just talking about it. Coursed into that girl, and she began to bellow out in other tongues. Problem was, she was a Muslim. Her father that brought her to the meeting because she was sick. You know, Muslims believe Jesus is a healer. Isha, they call him. So they're willing to come get prayer to get healed. But if your girl bellows out in another language, most Pentecostals would tell him to quiet down. You're a Muslim father and your girl's now speaking another language. He grabbed her with both hands for her to be quiet. But the way you stop live wire is not by grabbing it. When he grabbed her, 
what had shot into her shot into him. And he lifted his head back and began to bellow out in other tongues. When my Uncle Ted, when my Uncle Ted gave the invitation that night, both of them came forward to receive Christ. And then the next night, the husband came back, the daughter came back, all of the sons and the wife. And when my Uncle Ted gave the invitation that night, the Muslim man came out first, came to the altar, and then like a traffic cop, motioned his whole family to come down the front, and every one of them was saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost. Not by might, not by human planning, not by man's wisdom, not by might, not by power, but by the manifestation of my spirit, says the Lord. And I'm going to tell everybody in this section, because of U.S. law, they can keep preachers out of public school, but you can't stop the Holy Ghost. And that's why we have meetings like these, because what God put in us, he said, freely you've received, freely give. I'm going to tell you right now, you're coming out of this meeting, and from now on, wherever your foot will tread, you're not going to go by yourself. You're going to bring an overflow of the anointing, and that dynamite power will blow out every resistant thing. Miss Hannah, stand to your feet. Take two steps forward. Tonight's your night. God has your number tonight. Because I'm sure after driving all day and doing everything you did, you were just here to be kind. But God honors it when you come into his presence. With your hands lifted, when you go back to finish your assignment, you're not going to go back the same way you left out. You're going to carry something that's going to begin to open doors for you everywhere you go. The only prayer you'll have to pray upon graduation is not, Lord, where to go, or not, Lord, please send me somewhere. It'll be, Lord, which door to walk through. For I have seen your faithfulness, and I am opening a door that no man can shut. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands all over the place and begin to worship God. Begin to worship him out of your mouth. Prindianama. Confirming what they said with many signs and wonders. Don't ever think, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know what I'm going to do. It's not up to you to do it. It's not up to you to figure out how to make it. It's up to you to carry God's power and let God's power flow through you. And then it'll begin to solve the problem on your behalf. Would you mind if I prayed for you? You're allowed to say no. Lift both hands. Keep your right hand up. Put your left hand on your belly. And then actually take the one that you have lifted and put it where your heart and lungs and chest are. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the healing power of God flows through you right now. In fact, it's already done. More. 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 That's it. Take it. In Jesus' name. From now on, every time you feel like clapping, lift your hands instead. Would you mind if I prayed for you too? Pink and uh, nice shirt. Both of you come right out. Power of God's all over you. Jesus is going to help you tonight. Praise the Lord. I know some people don't like chewing gum in church, but if somebody falls over backwards, I like to make sure it's not from my breath. Amen. I grew up in church. Get prayed for by a preacher with bad breath. You're under your breath saying, Lord, I'll be a missionary to the Sudan 
Just please tell this guy to stop praying for him. I'll go where you want me to go, Lord. I'll do what you You first. Lift both your hands to the Lord. Want to hear a nice word from the Lord? As hard as the last 15 years have been, that's how easy it's going to be from this day forward. I know when you say, I didn't forget about you. I know you think when you say something like this that it's just like they train you in Bible college to say like nice things to the crowd. But I'm telling you, I really love Alaskan people. And then the native Alaskans receive so easy and they don't have any pride. That's why. Like her just hitting me as I'm giving a word. I like that. I like raw faith. I don't like this. Amen. That's true, brother, actually. I have been carrying a heavy load. Mm. Mm. Take that little thing and take it somewhere else. When you get desperate, I need you. God responds to that kind of prayer. Too happy. Too blessed. It's going to be the best run you've ever had. Build. More. If you see a lady walking backwards on the highway later tonight, you'll know what happened. Oh, she was at the meeting. Hello, hi, sister. Well. Lift your hands to the Lord. How'd you like some good news? You're not going to die. That's right. Close both eyes. This is the work of a miracle. All through your bones, the marrow of your bones, and all through your Hold her up if you will. I curse. Death. I command it to lift his hand off of you now. In Jesus' name. May through December, or June through December, be the best months you've ever had. No more. Enough's enough, huh? Because I know in my spirit, you're like my friend over there. You couldn't, couldn't take it anymore. It's too much. You say, God, if you're real, I need help. And, and God, I did. And I you did. did. I did. I did say that. I know you did. <laughs> All the heavy load lifts off of you right now. Be blessed. 
the Lord hurt you. That's why he set me over. So there, done. Yeah, look at you. Now you say, thank you, Lord. You do keep doing that. It's, uh, I know. Now it's done. Get it, don't hit me anymore. Uh, only way. I'm like... Stupid devil. He lose again. Jesus win, devil lose. <laughs> That's why I like Jamaican songs. They leave out all the filler words. Jesus win, devil lose. <laughs> hey, I guess that's all you need. Amen. <laughs> Whoa, I feel victory in here. The devil's going to get a major butt whooping later on him. Hallelujah. Woo, I like that one better. That's a warmer sound. I feel like I should be on the Four after the hour, traffic light going through us. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Say Jesus is, Lord. Jesus is Lord. This lady in the light blue, uh, Talitha Kuma, come right out. Lift both hands, close both eyes. As you do, the power of God comes upon you even stronger. Hallelujah. In Jesus' mighty name. Lift your hands all over the place. Just let Jesus touch you. If you don't want me to pray for you, just look straight ahead and look angry. That'll be, that'll be my sign. Come right out. Amen. Enough's enough, huh? Lift both hands, close both eyes. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit moves in, in like waves. And I can tell you the wave that's moving tonight is everybody in the sound of my voice. That's probably why the Lord had me kick off with that testimony. Everybody in this place that you've done your best to stand, but you're getting weighed down and you think, I, I don't know how much longer I can live like this. I can tell you how much longer you're going to have to live like that. About six minutes. The Lord's going to take every heavy burden and lift it off your shoulder. And you're going to spend June through December 25th with the praises of God. Rolling out of your mouth saying, the Lord has done great things for me. I didn't forget about you. I'll be right back. Lift both hands, close both eyes. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Jesus' name. People say, I want prayed for, but I don't want to fall down. Then stand up. If you get pushed over by somebody as skinny as me, you got a problem. Amen. Those preachers push those people down. I have wrists the size of the big toe of Alaskan men.
<laughs> Hallelujah. You're not going to die. The Lord's going to rejuvenate your body. In fact, put one hand on your lower belly. As you do, God recreates your organs. Your blood flow goes, there it is. Jesus mighty name. In Jesus mighty name. Praise God. Do you mind if I prayed for you in the nice blonde hair? Yeah. Uh, your girlfriend there. Nice to meet you. Just lift both hands, close both eyes. Keep your right hand up, put your left hand on your belly. God will give you a brand new pancreas and extend your life. All your blood levels go to normal right now in Jesus' name and stay that way. More, there it is. More, more in Jesus' mighty name. There was a lady I prayed for outside of Scranton, Pennsylvania. I said, the Lord's going to put your blood sugar to normal. She came back two nights later. She said, remember you told me that the Lord's going to put my blood sugar back to normal? I said, I do. She said, well, I went home. Tested my blood to go take my insulin, and it was at 90. It hadn't been below 100 since I can't remember when. And she said, uh, so I ate some blueberry pie to try to get it up so I could take my medication before bed. <laughs> and she said, I finished the blueberry pie, and it stayed at 90. So then I had some vanilla ice cream. <laughs> and it still, <clears throat> it still wouldn't go up. So then all day today I was eating what I wanted and it never went up 90, past 90, so I guess I'm healed. Well, I can, it wasn't your faith that did it, I'll tell you that. She got healed and was trying to give herself that one. Give me ice cream, give me pie. So if, the, if your blood's normal tonight, don't try to get it out of whack to give yourself medication. Don't try to eat yourself into a scooter. Just thank God for the miracle and go to bed. Can you say amen? Can you say a better amen? Stand up on your feet, everybody, all over this place and lift both hands to God. I want you to take 60 seconds with your hands lifted. If you're filled with the Spirit, begin to pray in the Spirit. If you've not yet been filled with the Spirit, just begin to tell Jesus how much you love him. How matchless is his name. Wonderful are his works. Mighty are you, God. Come on, 50 more seconds. Give it all you got. Stir up the gift that was placed on the inside of you when I laid my hands on you. Hallelujah. God's going to use you. God's going to use you in signs and wonders. Hallelujah. You're not going to die. You're going to live. <laughs> 30 more seconds. Keep praying. Can I tell you something in the second row? You're delivered. Now it's done. That's how you do it. Is there? That's a different girl. Don't even look the same. Hallelujah. Well, say it out loud so the devil can hear you. Say, I am redeemed. I am redeemed. 
by the blood of Jesus from all the curse of the law. What happens to others can't happen to me. I'm not under the curse. I'm under the blessing in Jesus' name. Lift both hands again and begin to thank him out of your mouth one more time. It's over. The battle is over. The battle is over. The battle's over. Come here, my friend, in the second row. Come right out. Yeah, you. You can tell it's done. Tell everybody what Jesus did for you tonight. Well, you can tell he did. Oh. What do you feel? I feel free. free. <laughs> well said. Face me, lift both hands, close both eyes. Drinks are on the house tonight. Drinks are on the house tonight. No more depression. No more sadness. No more sorrow. No more tears. Hallelujah. It's over. It's over. You say, what's the point of that? Bet you she doesn't go shoot up a school. Bet you if somebody goes to shoot up a school, they can't kill her. If you get the fire in you. It's over. I got shook up like that when I was about seven years old. I'm still messed up. It's a good kind of messed up. Can't get divorced. Can't, can't get killed. People come in with machetes. They're just dropping their tracks. Hallelujah. You, don't have, you live in the world with everybody else, but you're not like everybody else. You're a child of the Most High God. And what happens to other people is not permitted to happen to you. I say what happens to other people is not allowed to happen to you. You're free. You have the victory. And you're going higher and higher in Jesus' mighty name. tomorrow if I were you. I'm going to have a Holy Ghost blowout. Get whatever you want. Take all you can grab. It's time for God's children to rise up and make the devil sorry he didn't kill you when he had the chance. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're here tonight, 
and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, that's what enters you into the blessing. It's the blood of Jesus that destroys. It doesn't just forgive your sins. It destroys sin's control and the devil's access to you. It's like I told my friend when he relapsed on drugs and I went into his drug house to go rescue him. And I led all the people there to the Lord. There's only three of them, so it's not as big as it sounds. But I told him, I said, you know, if, if you give your life to Jesus, all these problems that won't stop, you can literally shut the valve of them off. And I felt that so strong preaching all night. It's like my friend that opened it up with her testimony. There's many people here. Life is just endurance for you. You don't enjoy being alive. In the, like the Bible says, it's part of the curse. In the morning you wish it was night. In the night you wish it was morning. Life's no fun. Jesus didn't come so you could endure life. Jesus came so you could enjoy life. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. There's people that are here that you're not having abundant life. You're not even having life. You're about wrapped up, sick of living. That's the devil. God made this earth for you to enjoy. Bible says true religion is not meat or drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. We're supposed to be happy people. Go to Wingstop, and if the same guy's working tonight that was working last night, ask him if he remembers one group, what group he remembers. I guarantee it'd be our group. My cousin Teddy that was here in January, him and I have gone out to eat after we finished preaching two different times, and the manager told the waitress, don't serve those two any more drinks. <laughs> we hadn't had one drink. Came in drunk on new wine. And you can stay drunk. Can you say amen? Some revival meetings. In America, I'm not talking like way in the 1800s. I'm talking about like, like not long ago. People would leave the meeting drunk in the Holy Ghost, would be weaving while they were driving. The police would pull them over and ask them if they were drunk. And while they started talking to them, the police officer would start to get hit. And when they told them that they were at the revival meeting, they knew about it and left before they could, it got on them. What people pay money for at these dilapidated bars. Then you wake up and look at who's next to you and think, oh, my God. Then wake up sick. That's the devil's substitute for what God wants to put on the inside of you. A river of joy. A river of righteousness. A river of peace. You don't, you don't have to pay for it. The price has fully been paid. If you're here tonight and you say, Jonathan, if I was honest, the reason I realize now that I'm struggling and suffering and one thing going wrong after another is I have not fully given my life to Jesus Christ. I want you to ask yourself that question, young and old. Is your life fully surrendered to God? Or do you still have one area of your life that is your area? And I like to go out on the week. You can't live how you want. Jesus will either be everything or he'll be nothing at all. When you live with one foot in, one foot out, one hand on the cross, one hand on the world, it's the most frustrating life because the devil still has an open door to come in and slap you around at will. But tonight, <laughs> can shut that valve off for good and come over to the winning side. 
and I want you to come over to the winning side. There shouldn't be one Alaskan in hell. Heaven should be full of people on four-wheelers going way too fast. Making too much noise. Can you say amen? If you're here tonight and you say, Jonathan, that's me. I need to give my life to the Lord, and I'm not going to put it off one more hour. I'm doing it now. I want you to quickly put your hand up high and wave it at me, and we'll pray right now. I see you. I see you. I see you in the back. I see you on the side. I see you in the middle. Very quickly. You know, Jesus said this. When I grew up, they didn't do this. I see that hand. God sees that hand. That's all that's important. 30 years of camouflage altar calls produced a generation of camouflage Christians. That there's 60 million of them in this country. Nobody even knows they exist. But those days are over. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, forget what the crowd thinks. Make a public stand. Then I'll confess you before my Father that's in heaven. Every person that lifted a hand and meant business with God, quickly slip out of your seat. Come to the front right now, and we're going to pray. Come now. Go ahead and clap for them as they come. Cross over the line. Keep coming. If God, amen. That's a good, come closer. Praise the Lord. Anybody else before we pray? Keep coming, come closer. Before I pray with all of you that have come forward, let me do something real quick while I feel the gift of faith. Which eye is it that you lost vision in? How much? All of it? Half. Put your hand on your eye and lift the other one up to the Lord. My God opens the eyes of the blind. I call on you right now. You foul blindness, I adjure you in the name of Jesus Christ. Come out. And I command that eye. Come open in Jesus' name. For the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to for the recovery of sight to the blind. I, I command you to see tonight. In Jesus' name. Same way you made her crippled legs walk. And I thank you for it, Lord. Don't, don't get up off the surgery table prematurely. Lift your hands to the Lord, those of you that have come to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord's touching you even right now. Take out your old heart, put in a new heart. Say this out loud. Heavenly Father, I've come forward tonight to give you my life. Forgive me of all my sins. Wash me in your blood. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth. Jesus Christ is King of kings, Lord of lords, and my Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Fill me with your power. Where I was weak, make me strong. In Jesus' name. I am saved. I am a Christian. God is my Father. Heaven is my home. I'll never turn back. In Jesus' name. Now just stay where you're at with your hands lifted.
you got the winning hat on. Lift your other hand up to the Lord. Anybody from your life, your past life, that would try to pull you back into the life you don't want to live, they'll go missing. In Jesus' name. God will keep sending people in your path that will help strengthen you. Or what you made a commitment to do today, God will help you to do it. The same fire God put in me, puts in you right now. Bill! name. Your sins are all forgiven. Lift your other hand up to the Lord. Lift the other one up. Let me see this one. In Jesus' name. Be filled. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. You three know each other, the boys? Brothers or friends? Lift both hands, close both eyes. Friends and brothers sound like a motorcycle gang. That's <laughs> what the little one said. Friends and brothers. All right, thank you. Father, help this little motorcycle gang <laughs> to do great things for you. In Jesus' mighty name. Praise the Lord. This lady with a nice flower dress, a flower in your hair, just step out into the aisle. You don't have to come any closer. Yeah, you. Lift both your hands right there. Close both eyes. As you do, the power of God comes on you even stronger. Lift your hands up even higher. Filled. More. 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 Hallelujah. Feel good. You know, when you finish preaching, it's hard to go to bed because you're all wound up. And this sun doesn't help anything. It's like it's two in the afternoon. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're not allowed to leave out of this sanctuary bound. Everything you brought in here, every issue of concern, Every pending defeat, it stays in this sanctuary and dies here. And you go out free in Jesus' mighty name. Welcome to the family of God. Sins are all forgiven. You're on your way to heaven. And you're going to make heaven in Jesus' name. Let me tell you a couple things. Number one, we've got service tomorrow at noon and 7. So do everything you can to be uh, in the meeting. Uh, if your boss won't let you off, tell him it's Ramadan. <laughs> Seeing as Christians are the only people that aren't allowed to do anything, just get here. Tell them your, your religion's having two special weeks of meetings and they're not missable. And get here. And I like Alaska anyway because it's like really the last frontier. Very few people work nine to five. It's like you have a job you have to do and get it done, but you kind of like can do your own thing. I like that. That's America. Amen. So come on in. Noon and 7. And uh, noon goes to 1 o'clock. Sometimes I go to 107, but I won't tomorrow. I'll, I'll wrap up on time. And then uh, 7 o'clock goes till sundown. Amen. Tomorrow's going to be a blowout. So don't miss that. And then if you don't have a church, plug into this church.
Because I know the pastor. He's great. Yeah, let me share something. Uh, Daniel, or run me one of those books that we give out, would you? We have a gift for you. And uh, if you'll see one of our, well, if they're holding a stack of these books, that's one of the people you should see. And they'll just hand it to you and bless you because we want you to grow in the things of God. Amen? It looks like this. It's called the Life Book. Welcome to life and life abundantly. You just see our people on the way out, and they'll help you. They'll be, they'll be holding stacks of these, so if you could be sure that we do that. Sir. So that Sunday, don't miss church. Not just this Sunday, permanently. And then if you do have a church you normally go to, kindly let the leadership know you've changed churches. Amen. <laughs> Give your new brothers and sisters in Christ a great hand clap as they go back to their seat. Go ahead. You can go back and be seated. God bless you. I'll take another crack at you before next Friday. One time I preached. You can be seated. One time I preached uh, when I was just starting out before I was married. On uh, when Jesus spit in the man's eyes, because you know the one place he spit in the he spit in the clay and made mud, and then the other place he just spit in his eyes. So I was preaching on it. You know, I'd never had anybody healed of like anything more than the sniffles, and this girl got faith from the scripture. She was legally blind. She comes up and takes her glasses off and goes, spit in my eyes. <laughs> All right. And the Bible says whatever, you're, whatever you find to do, do it with all your might. So I did not give her a little religious spit. I gave her a Lenny Dykstra Philadelphia Phillies. <laughs> Boom. So when I spit in her eye... And I did the best I could with the, how the Bible said. I said, now go out and wash it off in the water fountain. You know, we didn't have a pool of Siloam, but we had every church back then had a gross water fountain that hadn't been cleaned since the Nixon administration <laughs> with plant life growing on it. So she washed her eye out, and she, I forgot it had happened. I was talking to, like, other people, and she comes busting in the back door with her glasses off, yelling, I can see, I can see, I can see. So then, like, eight people came up, lined up, took their glasses off, and went like this. And, you know, I didn't feel the Lord speak to me to spit in any of their eyes. But when are you going to get an opportunity like that? So I went down the line and spit on all of them. And I don't think any of them got healed. But I had fun. Amen. I still remember the look on that old pastor's face as I... Praise God. Take your Bible and turn it to Malachi chapter 1. Can't lie in church or you don't go to heaven. Cover your good eye. And then whatever half you, of the vision you lost, what is it, peripheral? I command it to come open right now.
I'm telling you, the Lord will do it right now. I'm not going to spit in your eyes, so relax. Although I know, I know you want in mind. Now, when you open it up, I commend you to be able to see out of your peripheral. In Jesus' mighty name. You can tell the difference? Then just like happened with your legs, close both eyes. Command it to come all the way and all your mobility to come back. And then you'll come tomorrow with a testimony. And if I hear an Alaskan screaming out in the lobby, I'll know what happened. In Jesus' name. Make sure you leave your name and address with somebody on staff so they can get it to me and I'll get you the money uh, by what? What is it, tomorrow, Friday? So ship it out tomorrow and get it Monday. Usually people are pretty quick to follow up on that. Malachi chapter 1. I'm not doing that because I feel sorry for you, by the way. That's a blessing from the Lord. But you're not going to have to struggle anymore. Can you say amen? Malachi 1. No, it's 1. Yeah, there's more than just chapter 3. Chapter 3 gets beat to death. 1, 2, and 4, and they're saying, what about us? Malachi 1. The Bible says in verse 6, The Lord of hosts says to the priests, A son honors his father, and a servant respects his master. If I'm your father and master, where are the honor and respect I deserve? You've shown contempt for my name. But they asked, How have we ever shown contempt for your name? You've shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Then you ask, how have we defiled the sacrifices? You defile them by, give, by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. When you give blind animals as sacrifices, isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer sac- animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is, says the Lord of hosts. Go ahead. Beg God to be merciful to you. But when you bring that kind of offering, why should he show you any favor at all? Ask the Lord of hosts. How I wish one of you would bolt the doors of the temple shut so that I wouldn't have to look at these worthless sacrifices anymore. Say this with me. Every offering offering is not received by God. I grew up in church where they just told you, you know, give. Something's better than nothing. Everybody, you know, just give. Maybe you're not ready to tithe 10%. You can do 3%. Then... If God tells you to build an ark and you build a canoe, you might as well not build anything at all. And so God was speaking to them through Malachi about giving an offering of honor. Remember, Cain and Abel both brought an offering to God. God accepted Abel's and rejected Cain's. And then there's a story in the New Testament of a widow came and brought her two mites. Now, you know, dummies preach on that. So even if you give two pennies, that's not what it was. Jesus held up. Listen to this now. Jesus stood and watched what everyone put in. And he said, of all of you that have given today, so everybody gave something. He said, the only one who gave something that matters to God is this woman. Because you have chipped off a little bit of your excess, but she has given everything she has. And so the Bible talks here in Malachi where God said, would you give a gift to your governor like you just gave to me? Because what was happening was you were told to bring the best of your animals to the Lord. And obviously what happened over time was, hey, listen, all they do is slit its throat anyway. So don't bring the good one. Bring the blind one. They won't know. 
And they were right. The priest didn't know, but God knows. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If you can ever cross this bridge in your giving, you will live in a world of financial fortune that comes from heaven. That you are not giving to men. Men receive your offering. But the Bible says in Hebrews 7, it is received in heaven by him whom it is witnessed. He liveth forever. Hebrews 7, 1 to 8. So those guys are saying, oh, they're just going to cut it up. But they forgot that God actually watches over. And when Jesus was on earth, he stood and watched what everybody put in. Let me unfold that check. That's what you're giving? Okay. Of all of you that gave today, the only woman who, the only person that moved God was this person's offering. So there's some people that have given in every offering, but they've never given one offering that moved God. If you were here last night or the night before, whatever night I mentioned it, I had the Lord speak to me to clear out one of my personal accounts and give it, which was 18000 I rounded up to twenty and took some out of another account. That was a lot for me. And I brought that uh, to the place where I was going to sow it. There were meetings going on all week. I was not the preacher. I wasn't getting anything. Plus, I had to pay to go down there. You know, I gave that the first day I was down there and never gave in another offering because that was what the Lord spoke to me. Nobody had to get up and... Ch I actually... You'd be amazed if you start doing what the Bible says, how it starts working for you like it works for the characters in the Bible. I don't have to have somebody come and cheerlead an offering out of me and, oh, that's a good revelation, you know. No. I asked the Lord ahead of time, what would, when I come down here, what would represent my best to give? Like Malachi 1. What's something that I could put in the hand of Jesus and say, this represents the best of what I have? And that was the answer, 20 grand. So I put that in. And then, you know, they pass the buckets the rest of the time, and you let it pass you by, and the people look at you. They're allowed to look all they want. Amen. I didn't take a wrinkled five and a one and throw it in every service. I came with my best and laid it before the altar. And I told you if you were there, you heard the testimony. Before I could get the check out, the return on it already came. It's miraculous. Because there's a lot of people that every time the offering's passed, they reach in their purse, take the two smallest bills and throw it in, but they've actually never followed the Bible instruction of letting each man give as he's directed by the Spirit. You know, when I come to my home church, I give if they take an offering or not. If they don't take an offering on Wednesday night, I come and lay something at the altar. Because the Bible says, no man should appear before me without a gift. See? Five amens. You start wading into this part, people don't like that that much. But I'm going to tell you, that's what giving is. Giving is not to help God. Giving is an opportunity for you to put your money in the one thing that Jesus said anyone that leaves houses or property will receive in this life and now 100 times as much as what they've given. That doesn't happen if you give to the Easter seals. That doesn't happen if you give to charity. The church is not a charity. Now you watch. If you follow the NFL, a lot of these guys get their signing bonus that grew up in church and tithe off of it. But then when they go to sign their second contract, their agents get to them and they'll still give 10%, but now it's the charity. We're not a charity. This is the soil of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you heard, whether it's, whether it's my friend that now is walking, tell me what charity can take a crippled lady and make her walk in two days. And what can take somebody that's suicidal and fill them full with joy. The work of the, the, work of the gospel is the highest work there is. And when you take your money, whatever it is, and you say, this is an offering that represents my best. Hallelujah. You know, then God, you get his attention. Amen. 
and the windows of heaven open over, and it's over. Where you go from trying to keep your business afloat to your business opening up in multiple places. When God backs you from heaven, it's visible on earth. And one of the ways to tap into that is an offering that honors God. So your only responsibility is to ask the Lord, if you haven't done so already this week, what is something from my business, my ministry, or personally, that I can give that says, Lord, you gave me everything I have, and now I return this to you to let you know I have not forgotten who my source is. That's all you're doing. God, here's proof that I know it wasn't my brain that did this. It's your blessing. And as long as you do that, the blessing keeps coming back to you. Tell you, before I turn the mic over, it's been stunning to me. Everybody say childlike faith. I gave that little girl $100 because she said such nice things to me. She comes back the next morning service with 20 bucks in an envelope. Here's, here, Jonathan, this is my tithe, and then I also put 10% more as the offering. So then when she did that, I thought, well, we should, I should show her what Jesus does when you honor him. So I gave her 100 more. So now she's at 200 minus the 20, so 180. She comes back today with another envelope. Here's 20 more immediately. I didn't say, now, how much of that belongs to God? None of that. Because you don't have to give it to me anyway. And then I, I don't think I've had the chance to get her the 100 back, but I'm going to do it again. And then behind her was a boy. Hey, I have money that I want to give you. So kids feel it. Coming up with $20. One kid brought uh, 80 or 100. He's a little kid. I don't know how many kids he beat up for milk money, but good job. Taking wealth out of the hands of the wicked, literally. <laughs> it's so easily interesting that kids with their sensitive spirit feel that. That as they've been here receiving, I want to give something of mine to God. And then adults say, well, yeah, but they don't have to pay bills. You want to know what? You don't either. If you put God first, God said all the other things, I will add them unto you. So I want you to give with faith that God, I'm giving this. He says, hey, take me out of the equation. I'm giving this to you to say thank you. And I'm giving it in faith that as I release it, you are opening up the windows of heaven and pouring out a great blessing. I will see you at noon tomorrow, and then 7 o'clock, we're going to give the devil the worst Alaskan steel-toed kick in the head he's ever had. Welcome, Pastor Daniel Bracken, one more time. God bless every one of you in Jesus' name. Amen. Ushers, would you come up and down and serve the beautiful people? If you're giving, uh, and I, I believe all of you are, amen, four different ways to do that. You can give electronically, as my wife and I generally do. You can write a check. <laughs> You can text to give to the number 77977-KC-WASILLA, and that'll give you intuitive links on how to do that. I would encourage you to do electronic giving. It helps us uh, administratively. But if you're not comfortable with that, that's no, no problem at all. Some people don't even have a checkbook. They just swipe. Use their phone, Apple Pay. I think that can be all right. Just don't take the mark of the beast. Amen. I said don't take the mark to buy and sell. Amen. Chip under your hand or under your forehead. Bad idea. All right. Guess we ought to teach more about the book of Revelation. What powerful meetings. Tell everybody you know, by every means you have, 
do whatever you can do to get in these meetings. They're life-changing. He'll touch you in direct proportion to the hunger that you have. So if you've come with just a looky-loo type thing, God's not obligated to touch you. It's the hungry and thirsty that are filled. He spoke in parables to hide truth from people that were just casual observers. Don't ever become a casual observer. You might want to fast a little bit. You want to go deep. You want some real breakthrough in your family. And you fast and pray a little bit. Skip a few meals. Some of, some of us could be helped by that. Amen. You ready to give? You ready to sow? One of the things my wife and I used to do is the ushers are coming and place the buckets evenly around the front of the altar area. Symmetrical, please. One of the things my wife and I were taught to do is to name our seed. And so we would write on the back of the envelope, you know, what we were sowing our seed, believing for. No farmer just buys a bag of seed, any kind of seed, just throws it out. What are you believing for? What are you believing for? If you're not, we'll start believing for something right now before you sow. Amen? Amen? What a great meetings. Father, we thank you. We sow seed into the ministry, the entirety of this, going into Evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth and Revival today. Those online, those gathered here. And we pray, Lord, a harvest for him, that you would multiply it many times over. This gospel of the kingdom would be preached all across America. God of the nations of the world, the signs and wonders following as he preached about it today. Thank you for those that are healed, those that are touched. But Lord, you would also bring a harvest for those that sow now, even a hundredfold in the name of Jesus. Amen. There it goes. Praise God. Come on up. Give to the Lord. Stand up on your feet. And just come up to the buckets right here. So.
got those books, get all up in the lobby. All right, good. God bless you. Let me close. Father, thank you for what you've done. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance towards you. Be gracious to you. Keep you and give you peace. See you tomorrow. God bless you. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.